Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we grab our Bibles and our favorite beverages and we see what happens. Uh, my name is Justin. I am a seminarian, former pastor, and now I just um, hang out with my friends and talk about the Bible for all of you. And it's a good time. I'm joined by my host um, across the country in the people's republic of oregon of portland of portland <laughs> yes it's so funny like people people have called people portlanders have called portland the people's republic of portland for like decades yeah. so i do think it's really funny when that like sneaks out um yeah mm. anyway hi everybody i'm tori uh i am you know also a formerly bible person went to bible school and, you know, read through the Bible a bajillion times because I was raised fundamentalist and memorized like entire chapters and books and all that nonsense. And I decided to leave for reasons. But I still think that the Bible is actually very fucking interesting, even though it doesn't make any sense. So that's mm-hmm. why we talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because the Bible will, uh, I think the Bible is, is very good, uh, but people do strange things with it. It's, it's got some content yeah it, there's there's a lot in there there's a lot in there and you can dive in there you can find anything it's uh truly it's kind of like uh the the mary poppins mm-hmm. little suitcase of yep. literature mm-hmm. you could find lovely things or you can find terrifying fascism mm-hmm. fast fa- fascism can't talk fascism don't don't do that don't do a fascism don't do a fascism or a fascist um (laughs) so um speaking of fascism uh correct this this week in evangelicalism uh apparently um let's go brandon is a new worship song out (laughs) that's amazing okay i'm sorry you know so this week's worship set is going to be "Good Good Father" followed by uh, "Let's Go Brandon." Um, oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, for those of you that maybe don't know the the phrase "Let's Go Brandon," if you hear it repeated over and over again, is a oh so clever euphemism <clears throat> for "fuck Joe Biden." Uh, that was ca- that a twelve year old came up with. Absolutely, um, because that's not what an adult would do. However, yeah, because you know 
because I guess chanting fuck Joe Biden is like, you know, I mean, we chanted fuck Trump. A bridge too far. Yeah, like we, (laughs) like people chanted fuck Trump like for four years Uh straight. But then now that it's Joe Biden, they're like, oh, we got to, I don't know, we got to hide that. I don't get it. But But also they don't because like there's, there's a bunch of chuds in my city and they drive around with fuck Joe Biden flags on the backs of their trucks because they don't have personalities. Yeah. But, um, but I anyway, know. I guess, I guess they have more personality than the let's go Brandon people. Fair. Which is saying something. Um, so Cornerstone church, um, which was somewhat made famous. Well, it's pastored by Matt Hagee, who is made famous, you know, because he was born to um, to john hagee pastor john hagee who's a televangelist yeah for like decades on you know all the christian channels and was one of those people that had you like call in and like give your credit card number over the phone and then whoever answered the phone would like pray for you or something mm-hmm. and, um yeah. yeah so that's where that came from so his church uh cornerstone church in san antonio texas um went viral this week uh because people were chanting uh let's go brandon during this fascist rally at this fascist rally is the remake reawaken america rally which headlined such fine personalities as uh roger jones not roger jones gosh uh roger stone alex jones mike lindell uh and pastor greg Locke. you know like what a what a fine if you don't know who these people are, that consider lineup. yourself blessed. Truly. That lineup is rough. Um, oh, God. So this was not a church service, technically, but the church oh, was, was renting out its facilities to this group to hold its rally where they were chanting this, you know, I guess slur. I don't know. what I guess it was a slur. But euphemism. Euphemism. I don't know. I suppose. That went viral and the church has um, gone under fire. I think our friend of the pod, um, Andrew and the Freedom From Religion mm. Foundation, I think they actually did file a, oh, they might've filed an actual lawsuit against the church for their tax exempt mm-hmm. status because mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a political rally. And I mean, political rallies have been in churches a lot, but this one just happens to be very high profile. Um, yeah, so Yeah, let's true. talk about it. I mean, I, so the thing that I think was really interesting was because we talked last week, I mean, probably two weeks ago at this point, by the time this comes out, uh, or more cause Thanksgiving, what is time? Um, but talking about how there's like, there's accountability within evangelical spaces, but it doesn't apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pastors frequently get like a free pass. Like all they have to do is apologize. And it seems kind of like that's what Matt Hagee did, his whole thing about like this organization was not properly vetted and this shouldn't have happened and I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then like this video comes out of him like basically hosting the rally and introducing everybody and saying how proud he is that they're there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you vetted it enough to like put your face on it. Maybe it did get out of hand. Like I can, I can absolutely see that happening because mm-hmm. the MAGA crowd has been known to get out of hand. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to me because this was definitely a political rally. It's called Reawaken America. And so it's it, almost churchy though, right? 
Yeah, which is kind of a churchy thing. It's kind of playing on like the Great Awakening. I yeah, think. yeah, for sure they are. Um, but you've got you've got very political people. I mean, the only person in mm-hmm. that lineup that's really a church person is you know Pastor Greg Locke. The rest are openly partisan people. Um, yeah. And so you're having this in your church, you're blessing it. And and I've been yeah. a part of several churches and all churches, if they don't, they should have a pretty clear rubric on who can use our facilities and yes. why. So yep. I can see the, it got out of hand, hand with them chanting the let's go Brandon thing. Right. But the fact that that's what made it go viral, mm-hmm. but even the fact that you're holding a political rally in your church Right. That's already problematic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I, we're just only finding out about it because, because yeah. it got out of hand. Yeah. Which is very, you know, it's very frightening. Mm. Uh, but again, I'm, uh, you know, it's, you can't, this is a particular group of people that uh, people, people with power think that they have control over these folks and are very kind of surprised to realize that actually no they don't mm-hmm. and like they will turn on you in a heartbeat if they think that there is you know thinking about like mask mandates and vaccines and whatever and mm-hmm. you know if it's like anything that you say that they take the wrong way like they'll they'll instantly turn on you and i think that this goes back to that article in the atlantic that we talked about like a month or so ago about how all these pastors are now terrified of their congregations mm-hmm. right and what they're allowed to say, what they're allowed to speak on and preach is being dictated to them by like the congregants. Yeah. They, and they have to abide by that or they're going to end up like getting fired. Right. Um, because there's just somehow I'm, I'm not sure how, but like the, the, the power piece is kind of reversed there or maybe Justin, you should speak to this because I've never been a pastor. Like, yeah. Do you think that, do you think that in that dynamic in like church, like local church dynamics, do you feel like pastors really had the power that they thought they had? Or do you think that it was just never, nobody really pushed against them? It, well, it depends openly? on, so churches have different models of governance. For sure. Um, some churches are, you know, governed, you know, essentially almost by the pastor. Um, right. But a lot of churches have a more congregational model of governance in the sense mm-hmm. that a congregation can fire their pastor. Right. Um, and or a congregation can complain to a bishop and that bishop can then fire the pastor. So um, I would say most evangelical churches are more congregationally led. And hmm, okay. these, you know, it's something that I have pointed out for years um and i think it's now more obvious is that yeah the tail wags the dog yeah and i mean that and that was that became very clear to me like when i was fired and i keep bringing up this story i bring it up clinically to share information it's relevant it's relevant to this discussion like but the people that determined whether or not i was going to be fired for theological sin i guess i don't know or my in in, improper teaching or improper beliefs Mm -hmm. were not theologically trained themselves um i could walk school i could walk circles around them with you know my understanding of the bible the context you know so it's like 
we are hiring you to teach us about the Bible. But if you don't teach us the Bible that we think you should teach us, we will fire you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that is an interesting dynamic. I think now it has become, I think, and I think a lot of pastors are okay with that because they're kind of on the same Mm -hmm. level as their congregants. Yeah, fair. But I think that, you know, good pastors, I think always were a little bit concerned about to be mm-hmm. churches being too political yeah um, for tax exempt reasons but also just like the ideas like we're not really supposed to be super political here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i think even pastors that weren't trying to be political are now being forced by their congregation because they've joined this apocalypse cult called QAnon, and so now there's a lot of pastors that are leaving and are, that are in some ways yeah held hostage to their by their congregation to yeah. speak out, quote unquote, against Joe Biden, who's like, honestly, the most like, yeah, he's like, truly the most like milk toast president yeah, you could like, ever like, imagine. Honestly, like, yeah, <laughs> like as far as like presidents that you don't have to think about on any given day, Joe Biden is pretty high on he's, that list. He's up there. Uh huh. You know, um, there's, yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. Feels yeah, like when your great Satan is Joe Biden, there's something wrong with you. Yes. Like, yeah, for sure. That is true. Um, so I, th- I do think that there is that pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's and that's a pressure. I even felt that long before I was actually fired. I just remember thinking like, you know, we're, we're preaching what these people want to hear. Like mm. and they say they want, they say they want quote unquote hard teaching. Wow. Or, you know, like yeah. strong, you know, the bibl- biblical, whatever. But the second mm. you use the Bible to talk about the poor. Yeah. Or the second you basically, anytime you breach the boundaries of Republican yeah. politics, uh huh, you'll get a buzzer. Like that's yeah. you know, you, you know, that's not biblical. You know. Oh God. <laughs> and you know, I think pastors are they're figuring it out now, but the the racist, um, you know the. Nixon and the Southern strategy, we could really go deep into this, but like, right. Those racist birds have come to roost now. And, you know, you, you do like what Andre Hendry said a couple of weeks ago, like you, you reap what you sow yeah. and you allow these people into the congregation. You never tried to correct them because they had yeah. money and they were good tithers. Um, a lot of really good tithers voted to have me fired, you know? Right. Um, and a lot of good, good pastors have lost their jobs because quote unquote, good tithers decided they should leave. Um, wow. So you churches are in this position where it's like, well, now we kind of need to be political um, or, or I just need to just let it go. And just, you know, we'll, we'll preach sermons about how to have a better marriage. Cause, cause that's, you know. That's what pastors know how to do. So that's, yeah, because yeah, pastors are qualified for that. Um, they're not. No. Um, yeah. So, it's, oh, or they just go all in, like like Mark Hagee did. Fair. Like, Fair. You yeah. Know, and and mm-hmm. then once your tax exempt status is in question, you can you can still back away and be like, oh, I'm sorry, this got out of hand. We didn't know. Um, right. And which is bullshit. That's a lie. He knew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But people will believe it and nothing will happen because right. you know these QAnon folks are violent and the second you start taking tax exempt status away from churches that 
harbor them, I feel like there's probably going to be not good things that happen. Yeah, that that checks out. I don't know. Separation of church and state. Maybe maybe wasn't maybe wasn't the worst idea after all. Yeah, I I feel like there's like one or two countries that do that. Um, and not us. Perhaps we should. You know, think about emulating. I wonder if we had like a shared document that we could turn to mm, that would list something like maybe there'd be like an amendment to a document that talked about maybe. churches and states being institutionally separate. Yeah, uh, maybe so. Maybe so. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that it just starts with like, you can have guns no matter what, because yeah. the government might try, come try to kill you. Yeah. 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 Our constitution is just like an index card that says like, I can have guns. It's <laughs> my, my favorite gift. Oh my gosh. It was like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. And yeah. he's like barbecuing in the park. And this like park person comes up to him and is like, you can't do that here. And he's like, I have, he's like, I have a permit. It's just a piece yeah. of paper that says I can do what I want. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that that's what many people think that the constitution is. It's just oh gosh, a permit right? from me to me that <laughs> to says I, I can do what I want. Oh no. And if, and if I'm ever held accountable, it's cancel culture or whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. So cool. That's scary. Anyway. Yeah. So, oh. you know, and I, I do hope they're held accountable because I do think that I think that it's time, even though it, I, it will be a Fair. difficult road. I, I won't even say that it'll be a peaceful road, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. I do think that we as a society have to decide that it's important enough to us that that we protect religion, that religion should be, it should be insulated from this type of um, radical politics. Um, And it shouldn't be a breeding ground for like white supremacy cults, you know, (laughs) like, and, and so, yeah, if you want to, if you want to be partisan and host political rallies, fine, but you're going to be taxed. Yeah. That seems fair. Like that, and that's you know, and that that should play well with the whole actions have consequences crowd. So I think we've solved it. I think so. Good yeah. work. We will continue to cover this story as it breaks the holiday <laughs> season. <laughs> no. But for now, I don't ever want to think about this again. We're going to an ad. Yeah. Stop um, talking. Let's go ahead and take a break from this mess. Uh, We're going to take a break uh, for an ad, and we will be back in a moment. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Welcome it's back. fine. I'm fine. Everyone fine. made it. Everyone made it back. Yeah. Um, so glad you're back. Um, we're, before we get to our Bible story today, I just want to say a couple uh, housekeeping items. Now that it's the Christmas season, we will uh, have an episode this week as well as next week, but we are going to be taking the 
last two weeks of December off. We may have some surprises uh, those weeks. Um, we might uh, repost some podcasts uh, that we were guests of, things like that, but we will not have any new episodes during those weeks. Have a great holiday. Enjoy your family or enjoy a break from your family. If that's your thing. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's fine. Um, just, you know, we're going to take a little time off. Um, but for now, for our drinking game uh, today, uh, anytime that we run apart across a part of the story where it seems like God maybe didn't think this through, um, go ahead and take a drink uh, because... Planning is not God's specialty. I don't think so. Like, uh, knowing <laughs> Which is weird. The, knowing the future does not necessarily mean you know how to navigate your way there uh, with <laughs> any amount of grace. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's like such a cluster. No, like we um, we wanted to talk about because it's, you know, Christmas-ish things coming up. Um you know, our little, our favorite little capitalist holiday mm-hmm. that we talk about, uh, Mary, Jesus, mom. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, the Bible has some things to say about her and evangelicals don't actually have a lot to say about her. Interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like my parents, like I wasn't raised in a home that was like super anti-Catholic or anything. Although I know some evangelicals, especially like fundamentalist evangelicals are tended to be very kind of anti-Catholic. Um, but we had Catholic friends, uh, like really good friends who were Catholic. And so it's just, it's funny now, like looking back because we would get into like these little kid theological arguments and you're like in junior high, <laughs> not like, you worship Mary. Like, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Like, yes, you do. You worship he Mary. My pastor, so. <laughs> my pastor told me you worship Mary. It's like, how dare you? And yeah. it's like, well, I don't know. Like, you're not supposed to, you're not, the Bible says you're not supposed to call anyone father, but God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, where did I come up with this bullshit? Anyway, Catholics seem to be a lot more into Mary than, than evangelicals, which kind of seems cool i guess yeah. i don't know i mean she's I, she's not she's not like um she's not like most of the characters in the bible who are like just hugely problematic all the yeah. goddamn time <laughs> yeah and she's you know she's she's got her own opinions for sure her little song fair kind of True. a little kind of a little yeah. budding anti-fascist there a little bit. Yeah. Which bit. We, we don't, we don't hate that. We're, we're into that. Um, yeah. but yeah, so basically the gospels are kind of all over the goddamn place in terms of the, uh, story of Jesus birth. So, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew, I guess Justin and I talked about this before we start recording when I guess Matthew is like Joseph's version and then Mark doesn't really have anything. And Luke is Mary's kind of side of the story. And then John doesn't really have anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. It's all very, very If you weird. just read John, it's almost like Jesus was created in this like, like psilocybin storm of words. <laughs> like in the beginning was the word and the, you know, like, you know, John uh, was like on something. Yeah. So, which I'm honestly, you know what? I'm fine with that. Whatever. I'm okay. It's fine. Like, and it's fine. And when you do trip, you can write stuff down. Just for you know, sure. Don't expect me to 
worship it 2000 years later <laughs> please oh dear god um yeah like so i guess something that i was thinking about is like um because you know if you've been listening for more than a couple of weeks you know that i end up talking about angel fucking a lot and um so obviously mary has this like conversation with an angel gabriel to be specific i guess they have names mm-hmm. who knew who knew they they <laughs> But they were just like these very strange beings made of feathers and eyeballs. Um, but yeah, so basically Mary's like just hanging out, being a young adult, I guess, in, in those in that era. Yeah. A child for sure. But like, you know, people didn't live as long back then, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, she's between the ages of 14 and 16 probably distressing okay moving on (laughs) but but that was like a 24 year old now i mean yeah i guess it's it's just all of it is bad it's not good things um so uh anyway luke says that god sent uh the angel gabriel to nazareth to mary uh and mary was engaged to joseph at the time and joseph it says this is important in the story was a descendant of david I think that we kind of need to backtrack here a little bit because it says like the virgin's name was Mary, but from what I understand, and Justin will definitely correct me if I'm wrong on this, the, um, the verse in Isaiah that talks with this like prophecy apparently about Mary, it doesn't say like, it doesn't say a young, like, it doesn't say a virgin. It says like a young girl or something. It says a young woman, young woman. So like there are a couple words that could be used. Um, like young woman could mean virgin um but makes sense there's also a word for virgin that is not used um so so you know it i mean similar to like we would say like we could say the word virgin or we could say like a very young girl and those would you know you could kind of make some assumptions there that those are the same things in our language but if i really wanted to stress that this person was a virgin I would probably use that word. Um, Mm -hmm. So already it's weird. And even like the idea of a virgin birth, like that is a pretty common Greek thing Mm -hmm. um, that the gods would be born of virgins. Um, And how else are you going to get them? Yeah. And, you know, there's even a question of like, what was a virgin considered in that time? Was it a woman that was just simply unattached mm, to a man mm-hmm. um, could be considered a virgin? So a woman who was interesting her own, um, right. could be considered a virgin. So like mm-hmm. she and Joseph could be having a lot of sex is basically what I'm saying. Okay. And okay. I don't, I don't depending on, you know, this is the first century. So this right. is 2000 years ago. So right. our, the fidelity that we have to view their lives is limited. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand of the history and the social customs at the time, it, it would be a bit of a stretch to call her a virgin if she was having sex with Joseph, but not by much. So interesting. Okay. So, you know, I think maybe the writer Luke, who is trying to play up 
the deity of Jesus mm. would kind of bend those li- blur those lines a little bit okay. to like say this is a virgin birth she was unattached an angel came to her but you know she could very much be like how could this be to me I am a virgin as in like oh shit I'm a virgin <laughs> and I'm pregnant <laughs> like sorry like, I shouldn't be laughing so you know we we like to think at what we like to think I think that evangelicals and big fans of the bible like to think that these people were just these pure perfect people that yeah. that that never had sex outside of marriage and never and and that and that marriage was such a clearly defined line mm-hmm. um, that you know I don't all I'm saying is like it wouldn't be out of bounds for she and Joseph to be fucking. Is all okay. I'm saying. Okay, that's valid. I like. I mean, I'm I'm here for that. I think uh, it's a weird, like, it's such a weird question. First of all, to be asking about someone who's like 15, mm-hmm. um, like just the amount of like old male brain that has been spent on this particular issue is mm-hmm. strange. It's yeah. bizarre. Uh, also. Just as a little aside, because I can't not do this, virginity is not real. It is a social construct, and there is no biological state of virginity. Ergo, Mary was never a virgin because virginity is not a thing you can be. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing, like even defining the word virgin, like it is, it has changed culturally so often. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, that they used to like examine women for virginity, quote unquote. Right. Which is again not a thing. No. Um, so it's not really something you can eyeball. <laughs> yeah. It's not something you can eyeball different cultures and times. A virgin was simply a woman that had not had children. Mm-hmm. Like a woman who yeah. was unmarried without children was a virgin, regardless okay. of how many times she had had sex or not. Right. 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 Um, okay. That makes some sense. So it, yeah. Also it was 2000 years ago. What the fuck did they know? We barely know anything. It's yeah, 2021. We know. Yeah. We barely know. <laughs> and yeah, it's, you could find a historical source that says both, you know, right. you could find a historical right. source that says a virgin is someone who's never had sex or whatever, mm-hmm. but you can mm-hmm. find a historical source that says something that's kind of different mm-hmm. because shocker people that lived 2000 years ago had diverse opinions about oh sex God. and sexuality. How could um, they? And even with confuses within, me so much, even within the, you know, the Jewish religion, they had diverse opinions about sex and sexuality. I'm sorry. I like, I need to deal with people as a monolith. I can't deal. I can't engage with what you're saying right now, Justin. Yeah. So, so I, in, in me saying it's perfectly fine for them to be fucking, I could be wrong because maybe they didn't think so, but it's not out of bounds to say maybe they did. Given Um, the language that we have access to. to. Talk about it. Okay. Okay. So once again, God failing at planning, as as he does <laughs> yeah this is a very long digression to say like we don't really know i mean i think it's important though yeah. because it's like this is such this is such an integral like part of the story for me and mm-hmm. so like the first time that i heard someone say like oh in isaiah it doesn't say virgin it says young woman i was like what the fuck mm-hmm. like these people have been lying to me this whole time <laughs> yeah and and when you really start examining basically for lack of a better term divine children or god children um from greek mythology like demigods demigods like i'm not even talking about like ones that made the homer made homers you know or the iliad or anything i'm talking about just like pop cultural people who 
thought of themselves to be demigods. Ooh, okay. The similarities between Jesus and them are very similar. Like yeah. it, it'll blow your yeah. mind. I, I actually forget the guy's name, but there's, there is like a great Greek, you know, prophet, you know, preacher of love kind of person that was born of a virgin, mm. but like under the signs of stars, like it's like when you really dig into mm. like the cultural like understandings of the time about yeah. what a divine person looked like, Jesus matched up to that very well. Um, now, one argument could be like, well, Jesus was the true divine person and they were all imitations and copies, but it's like, well, th- they actually came before came Jesus first, yeah, um, by a couple hundred years. So it, interesting. Luke is I using like you. Luke is using the language and storytelling principles of his time. Right. You tell a story about a God person. Um, and that so and they were not as interested let me back up they were very interested in accurate historical facts when it came to writing history Mm. when it came to writing a morality tale or a story meant to illustrate a theological point right they were not as married to the facts as maybe we are today yeah that makes sense romans kept great records but they also wrote some crazy poetry once again, you can you can you can get high and write shit down. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to believe it. Yeah. I'm not going to make it like the foundational document by which I live my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway, Gabriel shows up and um he's just like, yo, how's it going? And I hate this so much. Like, it, like the like NIV or whatever says, like, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And this is like, to me, this feels really manipulative because Mary is not given a choice, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just think that the consent piece is kind of a big deal to me, honestly. Again, like God not thinking things all the way through here. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, there had to have been another way to do this that was like less. Um, ethically fuzzy, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. less of an ethical gray area, right? Um, because like kids can't give consent and like nobody can consent to a deity. There's like six women on the planet who could consent to actually like having sex with the president of the United States. And like two of them are Oprah and the queen of England, yeah. Like the list is very small. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I don't know. I feel some kind of way about, cause, and, and people were like, well, but she says like, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angels leaves, Right. And yeah. it's like, well, what else was she going to say? Like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like if somebody shows up and they're like, Hey, I'm from God. Here's the thing that's going to happen. And, um, yeah, you don't get a choice. Okay. Bye. Like what, like really, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, and, and the angel, he could have looked like a hot man or he could have been this like floating orb of winged eyeballs. Like no one knows. We don't know. I assume it was the hot man. version. Yeah. This is always, this is always my my assumption on the show. Always. yeah. Yeah. So, so this hot dude shows up. And, you know, I mean, for all she knows, could have just been some random hot dude. <laughs> Fair. 
like very fair um and so yeah and so her response and it's always been preached as this great response like wow look at her submissive spirit or something or like how obedient she is like and then you know like some pastors will be like you know women in the congregation if an angel said this to you would you be so obedient you know like that's so gross so So manipulative um and and the gut response of everyone in the congregation is no (laughs) right no i would not be that obedient no i would not want this to happen to me well i mean i guess it depends on if this this hot angel is spending the night or not true that's kind of where i'm going to draw that line yeah if the hot angel's like you are greatly favored and (laughs) i'm going to spend the night with you and make this happen you know like that luke decided to omit that part this will be I like mean, the, the... he does, Luke does write, the Holy Spirit will come on you. <laughs> so nobody knows what really went down. Yeah. Or maybe the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Like, you know, that, you can get is... pregnant either way. Either way, it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so greetings to everyone. The Lord is with you. Like, or the Lord was with you last night. You didn't know it. Like you thought that oh, was God. Joseph. But that was the Lord. Oh my God, Justin, that's horrifying. Okay, yeah. we have to so, keep moving. <laughs> like, but, but there's not like there's no way to read the story that isn't a little bit horrifying. Like yes, either yeah. either some divine person in the guise of someone she knew, or mm. or you know, in a dream, or she is knocked out or something, like had really actual sex, or she just spontaneously became pregnant, which is also a little horrifying um in its own in a different way Uh so like either way this is like a really weird story um and i i kind of like the whole like her spontaneously becoming pregnant just because then jesus would have had xx chromosomes like Mm -hmm. that's kind of fun i'm here for that part um jesus didn't have a dad so i guess it's less problematic if jesus has xx chromosomes because if it's xy chromosomes like you know, a dude was involved somewhere. A dude was involved somewhere. <laughs> there was at least a dick. Probably Joseph. <laughs> let's be honest. Or Gabriel. You know, yeah, or Gabriel. But don't like, jump to conclusions. But even the shenanigans with Joseph, it's like, okay, you got pregnant. Um, I'm gonna divorce. I'm gonna respectfully divorce you now. Right. Um, and which, like, know, what was that about? They weren't married. Yeah, they weren't married. Like, and see, that's the thing. Like that's where the line of virginity begins to kind of blur a little bit because once you were betrothed it was very Mm -hmm. much like you're married you're just not living together we have not you know yeah okay um, that makes sense so it's it's a very like like engagements now are like a step above dating but you know engagements are taken a little more seriously uh in this time interesting Okay. okay to the point that i've read scholarly articles that say like sex was on the table mm, during mm-hmm. during an engagement with yeah I, again this is some sources would say this yeah um, some and some would disagree some um, people feel that you know whatever fill in the blank someone feels yeah. that way i promise yeah. yeah and and it's funny like when i imagine mary i'm imagining a person in their like early 20s Mm, um, but so like when I begin like to really think like no she probably was not in her early 20s she is probably what we would consider a child mm-hmm. um and 
yeah, just this whole passage is very strange. So she's pregnant. Surprise. But, you know, and not just pregnant, but like you're pregnant with God. See, this stress is being pregnant is hard enough. Like being pregnant with God, like, no, thank you. Yeah. So I'm not into that. You look, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant with God's baby. So your family is like super favored. Holy. It's a very holy family. Super holy family. So very, yeah, highly favored. I hate that. I don't know. It's just because I grew up in like charismatic churches. I hate that term. Yeah. I don't want to be highly favored. Thank you. Not by God. I mean, maybe by someone. Yeah. Jesus, like Idris Elba, <laughs> not God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, standards. If, I mean, even as a straight man, if Idris Elba rolled up to my house and was like, Justin, you've been highly favored. <laughs> I would say, indeed, I am. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's a thing that could happen. Yeah. So... Okay, Shit. we've got a little okay. off the we rails have, here. We have. I'm like, okay, so Mary like talks to her cousin Elizabeth, right? Yeah. And apparently, like John, who is Jesus's oh, first cousin twice around or something, I don't fucking know how cousins work, frankly. Um, is filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb because he bounced. Yeah. Because, because babies and wombs do not jump. Yeah, I don't know. He must have been an extremely still baby. Okay. <laughs> well then it would be this remarkable thing that like oh mary walks in the room and my baby jumped like not yay. just like not just jumped but like leaped for joy is what yeah. my bible says yeah like that's really assigning a lot of motives and to a fetus meaning to a fetus doing what it does normally every day his reflexes exist um but mary does sing this really kind of cool like anti-capitalist song that i'm here for it's yeah. it's also a little strange but you know i'm like he's filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty i'm like can somebody just like bring this to elon musk because mm-hmm. yeah. i would like please send me please send that man away empty preferably to mars can we pay to send him to mars we, now i will pay money yeah, i'll pay i will give him more money than he already yeah. has like, go just, away just go to mars just leave yeah please so then, uh, I don't know, it kind of like, it's weird because it like jumps around because like Mary is like visiting, I guess, Elizabeth, her cousin, and then John is born. And then John's dad, Zachariah, also sings a song. And then um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, like the absolute like, last verse in this chapter of Luke, which Luke one is 80 verses long. And the last verse is talking about John the Baptist. It says, the child grew and became strong in spirit. I don't know what that means. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And I just have so many questions mm-hmm. that I'm not going to ask because we'll never end this podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. Luke one is this absurdly long chapter. Right. Like they were just like multiple stories going on simultaneously. So many storylines, poems, just like randomly flowing off people's mouths and and yeah, this almost an, like uncharacteristic poem coming from Mary, where mm. she's like super meek to this angel, but then she's very anti-capitalist, like cast down the mighty, send the rich away. And I could see if I just said that out of context at an evangelical church, they'd be like, rich lives matter, you know? <laughs> oh my God. 
What about the wealthy? Do you ever think about them? You know, anyway, most biblical characters would not fit in at church, but that's fair. Uh, that's so, fair. Then, so then Luke decides, okay, Matthew and Mark. Um, they're not are, pulling their weight. They're not really pulling their weight on establishing the timeline properly here. So I'm going to establish, I'm going to establish very clearly exactly what time this is happening. So he goes into this long thing about this decree of Caesar Augustus and, you know, this taxation system and, you know, Quinarius, governor of Syria. Like whenever I have to, like, so my family, we read. You read the Bible, the, the Christmas Bible, story. Christmas story every year. Every like year, the, yeah. To each other. And they always cool. want to give me the Bible first because we pass it around. We read a couple of verses, then we pass it around. So everybody reads it, you know. Uh-huh. They always give me the Bible first because it's all these batshit names in this like first couple of verses. <laughs> like Justin has theological training. He can pronounce Augustus. Um, anyway, so this basically very weird convoluted story to like get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. And it doesn't make sense. Um, No, it makes zero sense. It actually makes the timeline more difficult. Um, I I won't, we've had enough digressions, I think already. All this to say like, this is not how taxes were done in the Roman empire Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, Maybe one time in Egypt, like 150 years after Jesus was born, maybe. But for the most part, taxes were done as you would do taxes which is where like a tax person would come to your house and would look at your property and what you owned where you lived and would tax you accordingly they would not ask you to travel hundreds of miles to the hometown of your relative who died a thousand years previously um to i guess on your honor tell them what you own back where you live i own nothing my income is zero yeah. you owe me money you owe me money <laughs> roman empire i have nothing um yeah so the whole idea that they would make people go to their homes towns to be taxed um really doesn't make a lot of sense um even with modern day travel it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah, because there's a lot of people who are not, I mean, it's like things seem pretty dire now. Like I can't imagine like, you know, the ancient Near East or like the Roman Empire, like how many people had disposable income to just travel like even dozens of miles away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I try to make cases like, okay, maybe Joseph was from Bethlehem and he was living in Nazareth because he's a carpenter. That's where the money is. I don't know. So but even he's then, like, oh shit, it's March 28th. I gotta get back so I can pay my taxes. Yeah, even then, it's like you would have had a home there. And you know, Galilee was a different province, Roman province altogether from Judea. So like they would have been happy to tax you right there. Um, so like, yeah, because I've heard Christians say, like, oh, it was a regional tax, even though the Bible clearly says it was a tax of the whole Roman world, but whatever. Um, even if it was a regional tax, like Galilee, where Joseph and Mary were living, like that was a totally different Roman province. So they would have been taxed there, not gone to Bethlehem, where his ancestor David, who died a thousand years earlier, lived or was from. 
David didn't even live in Bethlehem. He didn't even he was live just from there. there. Like, so anyway, he lived in Jerusalem. Yeah, he, he was the king of Jerusalem when he God. wasn't hiding in caves. Yes, pretending to be insane. <laughs> we, we have to do more David we, content. We have to do. Yeah, we got to do that story. That um, that'd be really good. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so the, I mean, there's just a lot that doesn't make sense. I, and I think the scholarly consensus is that Luke is basically wrong. And mm. I'm not going to say that there's not some document out there that will completely defend, like. Yeah, prove vindicate. that Luke was right. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But thus far, every piece of evidence we have is that Luke was wrong and spinning yeah. a tale to narratively get his main character to where he's supposed to be born, which is Bethlehem. Based on based the on Hebrew scriptures. Based on his interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, then he's visited by shepherds for reasons. You Do you know. know what they are? Are there actual reasons? Or is it just because Luke likes shepherds? I think just Luke's like shepherds. Everybody, um, everybody who wrote the Gospels is like so gay. <laughs> <laughs> just very gay and i'm i i think that that's something that we didn't discuss enough as children and it's kind of wonderful yeah like that you know these people are are very very gay yes they are like Um, oh shepherds yeah like this is like some some broke back mountain nonsense oh god like you know well i'm and shepherds like in most places it's a very lonely job where you're just out there in the mountains with your sheep and so, yeah, like why shepherds, um, you know, I mean, you could guess you could do like Jesus was the shepherd of his people or something, but like still. Like, Jesus wh- refers to himself as a mother hen. What are yeah, you talking about? He does. Like of all the birds Jesus could have picked, he picks a lady chicken. I mean, most birds are terrifying. So I would probably also go with the chicken, but yeah, that's sad. And these shepherds are super negligent because there's a bunch of angels and they just leave their flock out in the night to go see a baby. And a baby. A baby, which is, you know, like, I mean, I love all of my children. Oh, I love babies. I I don't love infants. I'm just going to be honest. I don't. No, it's, they're hard. They're inter- it's, incredibly it's difficult. Fair. And if I'm a, I'm a single dude that's a shepherd, I'm probably not going to. Right. What's not that, that interesting. <laughs> right. I have little sheep babies that are don't look like raw chicken. So maybe I'll <laughs> hang out with them instead. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's like this whole like rigmarole of like everyone went to their own town to register for this tax. And Joseph, I'm it's so funny when he's like, it went up from the town of Nazareth to Judea. I'm like, mm-hmm. but isn't it south? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't remember. This is, it was all very strange. And um, yeah, so he's like going, he's trying to like pay his taxes because we all work really hard to pay our taxes when the government puts us out a whole bunch. Even the amount of robbery that would happen. Yeah. Like if you have, you know, the Roman empire was what, 60 million people at one point. And let's just say even an eighth of them have to travel with all of their cash and like everyone knows these people are traveling with heaps of cash i mean the roman roads were good but the roads would be completely clogged people would be dead on the road because bandits came and took all their money all their tax money 
like when you begin to think of just the logistics of this it it just it breaks down and yes it's because we're using western minds to analyze what luke is trying to do which isn't trying to convey factual information that people would go like oh i totally understand like (laughs) it's just not no i mean and I, i guess i kind of get where luke is coming from i do think that like so Luke is ostensibly a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, Jesus is Jesus is born in like a single verse, and he just like moves on to the next thing, which doesn't seem very doctorly to me. Pretty sure Joseph wasn't a midwife, so there's a lot of very concerning. Like God, again, what are you, what are you thinking here? You're just making this mm-hmm. dude like you're the birth attendant in a barn. Good luck. I mean, the fact that Jesus didn't die of some bacterial infection within like 48 hours is kind of astounding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Barns are not clean now. Can't imagine, uh, you know, ancient Rome. It's not really where I want to be pushing babies out. Yeah. Well, and even like, let's just assume this narrative is completely true. And the Romans have this insane system where people would travel to random ancestors and then stay in the middle of the street because there's nowhere to go yeah like like why would god choose to like come at this moment in time during tax season <laughs> like just so he can be born in I the mean, barn and we today can have like cute nativity scenes like i mean nativity scenes are very cute especially they when they're bears and penguins i don't like the people ones so much those are a little yeah. racist oftentimes yes <laughs> like why we continue to pretend that all of this makes sense um, to our modern Western minds is it's kind of silly to me. Like I, I, I as a, as a story of someone who is divine and coming to the earth, it's not a bad story. I don't think. Sure, um, it's it's it feels kind of quaint. Yeah, and and I I will admit I think it's just from years of religious you know, experience and whether you call it experience or indoctrination, that's up to interpretation. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do get kind of nostalgic when I see like nativity scenes and things like that. Like there's a certain like comfort and ritual to it. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just, it continues to blow my mind that we, we think it was a good idea and like well planned out by God for it to happen this way. Um, mm-hmm. when the what facts of the story we can somewhat verify <laughs> are crazy <laughs> oh that's so mean but it's true um, so mean. were any of your children born in barns no not oh. at all I love oh. my children and <laughs> one was almost born in a car that happens though that's not that's not your fault yeah it happens i i did not take my wife you know if if even in our country if they're like you've got to travel to your hometown right like sorry my my wife is nine months pregnant Uh uh-huh i will be staying home (laughs) 
Oh like, man. Have you like, ever been in a car when you're nine months pregnant? Like being on a donkey would be awful. Like just, just that would make you go into labor. Like your water would break just from all the jostling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she probably didn't have a donkey. She probably walked. Well, yeah. then maybe, maybe that didn't, maybe that didn't happen. I don't know. Even so a, riding Even a donkey so. or walking across Palestine because Galilee is not close to Bethlehem. True. That is true. It's a long walk. It's like, it's like going from like the tip of like, it's like walking across Michigan, basically. Oh, like you just gonna, you're just gonna walk. Do that. Like, oh, you're eight and a half months pregnant. Let's walk across Michigan to pay our taxes. (laughs) Like, yeah, my brother isn't going or anything. I could just give this to him, but I'm, we have to go. Because the Roman government surely knows exactly where we live and exactly who we are. And will surely know that we didn't make it. And they won't accept, they, if we try to give them cash right here, they won't accept it. No. (laughs) Our money's no good in Nazareth. (laughs) I know, but like, it's just, it's so funny to me to think about like, if you, like, if you send your taxes into the IRS and you like send them into the wrong spot. Like they're going to be like, nope, return to sender. <laughs> they're just going to forward it to wherever it's supposed to go. Yeah, it's but- not, it's not worth like the amount of labor it takes to like send it back. Yeah. Anyway, I have many thoughts so, on taxes. You know, first we're violating consent of a minor, not well thought out. Nope. Um, we're, planning. We're, having, we're having that minor travel during tax season at about the time the baby's supposed to be born i mean i guess jesus is lucky he wasn't born on the side of the road there you go you, know, you never know it would have been cleaner than a probably, barn probably better yeah probably cleaner than a barn for sure um and then you know depending on what book you're reading either he's visited by shepherds or he has to flee for his life because <laughs> Herod decides to go like murder hobos on him and chases him out of town. Which is another thing that didn't actually happen. Yeah. Just FYI. It's not, it's not in there. Yeah. There's no record of Herod killing all the babies in Bethlehem. I feel like, so what's really interesting, it, like one thing that that has kind of like stuck out to me and I'm sure it's just because of all the protests here is like how the Roman empire dealt with protests. But I'm like, if you're going to go around with just like killing babies, I feel like you're going to have some pushback. I don't think people are just going to stand around and be like, Oh yeah, please kill my son. You know? Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, Nope. All of them off with your head. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, Oh, this is so sad. We're not mm-hmm. going to do anything. And, this and, sound accurate. and no one in the community was like, hey, there's this kid that was visited <laughs> by shepherds and by wise men who matched the description of the people you're talking about that fled that way. <laughs> if you could go kill those people, that'd be great. And not us. It was like, it wasn't me. Yeah, it was. It was those guys. Yeah. I mean, Herod was a terrible human being. Um, I'm not giving Herod any passes. I'm just saying, like, people usually don't respond passively when their children are killed, when Mm -hmm. there's like more of you than there are of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. People and, usually put up some kind of a fight. And the Roman Empire had the, a way to address these kinds of grievances too. What grievances? The like, grievance well, of having a child? Well, the grievance of like, okay, this, you know, client king Herod murdered my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome, mm-hmm. can you do something about this? Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd think even okay. then there would be some kind of record of right complaints complaints (laughs) we're going to complain to management that you're killing our babies um yeah so many babies honestly so many babies i i think of all the books i've ever read more babies die in the bible you know what needless reasons than you know what i jamie lee finch is always posting the bible is not pro-life and the bible is not pro-life it is not there are a lot of dead babies. Yeah. Again, God failing to think through the story before he just starts yeah. doing shit. <laughs> All just to fulfill prophecies, honestly. Like that's that's why the babies died in Matthew. And like, why is it? I don't know. God is just really struggling, you know? He's just having a hard time. Yeah. I okay. feel like that is the consensus of the entirety of scripture. So this, you know, Jesus' birth is a mess. Um, as births often are. <laughs> as births often are. Um, I've been present for three of them and, you know, They're a little messy. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was wonderful. I don't know you that I clean stuff up. I don't know that I'd call it beautiful, but that's fair, but you know, it, it was, it was wonderful to be there and the, mm-hmm. you know, life is, is an amazing, strange miracle, but it's yes. messy. Um, yeah. So what do you, what, what can we get out of this story? during this holiday season this lovely holiday season that jesus was definitely not born in yeah he was born in the springtime yeah he was definitely in aries i don't know if you know this but like (laughs) it's quite clear (laughs) um sorry that was i just yeah i just had to i just had to do that he clearly was um so this it's so weird because like I think like part of what I was thinking about with this is like the whole oh this is this thing with like Mary is like called by God and so we heard all these sermons that were kind of weirdly like focused on the women etc and of course like me being me none of this resonates because I'm like what the I don't understand the like the concept of womanhood like doesn't compute in my brain um I mean, I understand that it's a thing for some people, but like for me, it's just like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, God calls us. Yeah, whatever. That's great. Like you don't get much out of being on team woman. Right. I mean, I've just, I've never, yeah, I just, it's it's just never been a thing that my brain has been able to make any sense of. And so I was like, yeah, I guess like, this is a thing. Like if God calls you to do something hard, right? Like you got to do it because that, I mean, that's basically how this sermon ended up shaking out mm-hmm. for people, like people who were socialized female. Yeah. So it was just like, God sometimes asks you to do like hard, shitty things. And you just kind of, you just kind of got to suck it up, power mm-hmm. through, um, huh. because <laughs> it's, because it's worth it. You know, and you never know, like what you never know. God maybe is calling you to like, I don't know, like raise a kid who's going to like save the world or I don't know, like go to Africa or 
whatever the thing is that evangelicals love to do. That's what this particular story for me, I was just always like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm like, I don't, it just, it just never really resonated. Um, It's interesting that you say that about it being targeted at women and which I've definitely heard. My perception, right. That's been my experience as well. Like the the calling is that, you know, Mary was asked to do something hard. I've never heard a sermon about it being like Joseph being called to raise someone else's baby. Mm. Like probably because it was his, but, (laughs) um, but you know, like, like Joseph was going to get rid of her and divorce her quietly, nicely, I guess. But I've never heard a sermon about like, you know, man of God, if God calls you to, do something that, someone that, else's kid that might you know be dishonoring to you oh, um, do mm-hmm. it like i've never heard the reverse i've never heard yeah i've i've i've, I've heard mary used to yes. tell women yes that you got to do the hard thing the difficult things in life i've uh-huh. never heard what probably using the same exegesis the same interpretation mm-hmm. of joseph that's never happened i've never no nope. seen that no no i have not that's very interesting. I appreciate that observation. Oh my gosh. What did you get out of this story? What, like, was there anything that you either as a kid or like as a, at an, an adult, someone preaching this I'm, every year? As a pastor, I did, I kind of dreaded Christmas and, and, oh no. and well, and Easter, well, cause it's, it's Easter's very, awful. Oh, well, Easter. Christmas and Easter are, they're stressful seasons for someone in ministry just because yeah, it's, it's, that makes it's, sense. it's your big season, you know, um, getting saved time, but it's also, yeah, it's like, I got to preach the same sermon, the same stories, uh-huh. you know, um, and just, you know, as someone who asked questions and tried to make the Bible make sense, I always had these little existential crises because I would start researching Luke or whatever, you know, it's anyway, um, and like, this timeline doesn't make sense. And so, um, so it was always, it was difficult for me, but I mm. think, I think even like as a kid, like I enjoyed the ritual of things. Um, but when I think back on the things I really enjoyed about the Christmas season, they're almost mm-hmm. all entirely secular. Like, <laughs> like I enjoy Christmas songs, um, mm-hmm. but like Christian Christmas music, like uh, I'm not, a big fan <laughs> you don't like ccm um, how dare you no um how dare you sounds like it was just awkward yeah it's just awkward i should say okay yeah i'm kind of stumbling over my words here but um, no that makes sense i remember like listening to like mariah carey like all i want for christmas is you like like when i think of christmas songs i don't think of christian songs i guess is that's so saying. funny oh um, my gosh so that that's I I realized that now I don't think I would have noticed it when I was in evangelicalism I would have just been like yeah mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Christian I enjoy Christmas because of Jesus but like when I think of the things I really loved you know it's like being with my family it's hanging out Mariah Carey it's snow it's yeah cheesy Christmas music oh snow but, we don't have that one I think what I would get out of the like theological story of or, or this yeah. you know, story. Um, I, I like the idea that God has a body. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, 
Christians don't have a good theology of the body, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate, but of all the major monotheistic religions, they should have the best theology of the body. Yeah. Simply because the fact that God came into the body of a person shows that having a body is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it is something it is that it, it being embodied is an experience so good that even God got in on it. Damn. Like, I, I've always found that to be very compelling. That's um, really interesting. And that no one preaches that sermon that no books are written about that. Um, it, honestly, I think it's because Paul took over and was like, the flesh is gross. Um, <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't know what his problem was, but like- It was an Enneagram one. Yeah, I, for sure. Um, sorry, not sorry. An unhealthy Enneagram one. Um, that to me is very compelling, that being embodied, being born, even like, not just like a rising out of the ground like Adam, but like you are born of a, like, you know, of the normal a way. human person. You, know, you came, yeah. you came out of a lady. Um, mm-hmm. And, and even the like somewhat, it's possible, it could be read as a feminist reading that. Yeah, I feel know, like that, it could be. That, that the divine entered the world through a woman, like mm-hmm. with, without Mary, without, mm-hmm. the, without, a woman this doesn't happen um and so like there's a feminist reading of that or of a way you could read that as just as a very um pro woman and very pro um very progressive you know Mm -hmm. reading for the time but right it just like so much of that just gets glossed over in the whole like jesus came to die like I hated those sermons at Christmas, Ooh, like yeah. where it's like you're taking this baby and you're just like trying to get him straight to the cross right away <laughs> as, as if being embodied and being in the world didn't matter. Like it was just, he's just here to yeah. die later. But um, that's such a good point though, because it's kind of how I feel like they treated bodies and, and emotions just in general, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was just like, oh, this is just a thing you got to get through before you get to heaven yeah yeah like this is a trial or a test and not a way to like experience all of this like just incredible goodness and joy and like shitty stuff also and and having to wait for things and the tension of like anticipation like all of these things that like you're saying like there is no good like theology of the body in evangelicalism um it's just like bodies are bad so if, if we're if we treat bodies poorly that's okay because they should not be treated well mm-hmm. right um but i do think that i'm i'm sad that i didn't realize until after i left honestly that like in evangelical theology regardless of where you land on other stuff like god created emotions like Mm -hmm. human emotion therefore human emotion is a good thing Mm -hmm. right um and i really wish that that's something that i had thought of like before realized before i ended up leaving because i feel like that would have been really empowering 
Um, you know, because it was very much like, oh no, you have to like take every thought captive and you have to control like how you feel and like everything that you think. And it all has to be brought into alignment with like the word of God and the Holy spirit. And like all of this, I don't know how much of this you got, because I, again, just like charismatic people mm-hmm. have their own little thing sometimes, yeah. no, I, um, I'm with you. but it's just, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is really powerful, even as someone who's not a believer to say like, oh yeah, God, God chose to like have this experience of like living, living in a body and like experiencing all of the beauty and pain that like people get to experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's that really, really resonates for me as someone who does not believe in like a higher power per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that to me is the compelling story. Right. Like, and that yes. is the, the interesting story. And even if Jesus was just born to die, quote unquote, like he Aww. still lived a life. Right. <laughs> like, you know, he at least had experiences, at least 30 some years, if not longer, depending on who you read or talk to. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, had, heartbreak had sadness had family mm-hmm. meals had relatives mm-hmm. die had mm-hmm. you know um had probably crushes and yeah. you know love yeah. that was not returned in uh-huh. like the cute sweet way of young kids and yeah. in the, and Absolutely. in the painful way of young adulthood too like mm-hmm. um I, you know imagining jesus as a human being is to me much a much more compelling way to meditate on him than trying to imagine him to be god um yeah because that doesn't make any goddamn sense like how are you supposed to as a as a human person like how are you supposed to imagine jesus as like this ethereal mist Mm -hmm. in heaven (laughs) i don't know yeah you know um i think that that's there's so much i think that gets missed out on within evangelicalism especially i mean i'm sure that like this is probably not dissimilar in like other spaces and in protestantism depending but yeah there was something there was something valuable about that right and i do it was it was always mentioned right it was like jesus but it was it, it was mentioned like yeah jesus came and like had a body and so jesus can like empathize with you and mm-hmm. like your suffering and pain and whatever and like yes that's true you know and i think that that is really valuable but when you're taking away i think like the good that you can experience through your body i like that feels really really sad to me something that i've actually been thinking about for the last couple of weeks is um like pascal's wager and Mm -hmm. like this idea of if you like if you live this good righteous holy life um and then it turns out that christianity is all a lie. It was just a story. You haven't lost anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I've, I've just, I've been spending, um, hanging out with one of my friends recently, uh, who's not a believer, like left church 30 years ago and, um, talking to them about, <laughs> about embodiment and like all of these incredible things that we get to experience with our bodies. And, um, just the way that like that matters 
mm-hmm. right? The way that we, like, and now like in our culture, we very much fa- fail to value like kind of across the board. It's like rest is a good thing, right? Like touch is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Laughter is a good thing. Crying is a good thing. Like these are things that your body needs. These are things that we evolved to have together in community. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it's, it's been a really, I've been really challenged honestly on this lately. And I, um, have really been enjoying it. Yeah. Frankly, like, Oh, okay. This is you. I, if I were still, if I were still an evangelical, I would absolutely be missing out on like these really beautiful experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. And saying you wouldn't miss out on anything, you just die. And it's like, no, but you've lived your entire life like in a prison that you chose to be in. Like mm-hmm. nobody made you stay in that space. Right. Yeah. That that was at a certain point, that was your own decision. And like, yeah, you've you've missed everything. Mm-hmm. If 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 that's how you choose to stay, um, yeah, there's there's most things have been missed. And that's so so much is missed sad right like these Mm -hmm. experiences have value i guess is what i'm saying yeah and like being forced to cut off parts of yourself to stay in evangelicalism so that you cannot have those experiences is just really Mm. heartbreaking honestly yeah Yeah. to add to that and i think we'll probably wrap it up after this because i don't want to go oh don't want this to be like a three-hour long podcast we could do it yeah well that's true um i think I was this would have been maybe a year or so before I left ministry. I still would have been an evangelical. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember wrestling with these embodiment things. And this is something I always wrestled with as a evangelical and I always tried to incorporate into my into my ministry, I guess you mm, call it. Yeah. It seems like a weird thing. Now that I've been out so long, like calling it my ministry just feels creepy and weird, but that's it's what corny, I was. Yeah. Um you know, I always try to incorporate, you know, the, that your body's a good thing. And I remember I was walking on the beach, we were on vacation and this would probably have been the first moment, like the first brush, genuine brush I had with atheism was, I remember just on the beach looking out and I remember thinking like, what if this is just it? Um, and it wasn't scary. Like that was like, I think few times in my life I have been more present Mm-hmm. than I have ever been before. Um, and it was this beautiful, like widening experience mm-hmm. that I think in my fear, I immediately shut down <laughs> like very quickly at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was just, it happened for a moment. It could have been, it could have been a minute. I don't even know. Like it just, it's just, you know, memories are weird. Um, but I did have this beautiful experience of, of atheism, of like, God's not here and there's nothing and this is it. And it is enough. Um, it's more than enough. Like, um, and what I would hope for our listeners or people recovering from evangelicalism and trying to get into their bodies um, whether you're an atheist or not, that's, I'm not interested in what you label yourself. Um, mm-hmm. but I do hope that and maybe this holiday season can be a time where you can do it, like that we can find ways to come home to our bodies, to, to be with ourselves, to enjoy a good meal, 
to like and if you have the means to enjoy the giving of a gift or the receiving of a gift and and experiencing that emotional exchange with someone else with another human being even though we're in a plague right now and that can be dangerous for some people like we've missed so much there but um like just an encouragement to be present um because that's all we have my memory is an interpretation of things that happened to me and my future doesn't exist yet or if it does i have no way of knowing it like this is Mm -hmm. this is literally all i have um it is all anyone Mm -hmm. has um and and not to um not to miss that yeah i think that's that's important and it's something that i i'm trying to recover myself it's good shit i like it so if you like this good shit (laughs) please consider following (laughs) us on uh on the instagrams or the twitters at go home bible um if you find yourself wanting to share this podcast with somebody this christmas season please do so uh friends enemies lovers whatever to share it with somebody um <laughs> give us a five-star review and and if you find yourself flush with cash or just in the need uh, to be generous we'd love for you to join our patreon as well patreon.com slash go home bible um I think we hope that you have a Merry Christmas season, whatever that looks like for you. And if it's not Christmas, just Merry Winter Festivus time. Uh, That's great, too. Happy holidays. Yeah, sweet. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. 
You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.